0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, folks. Welcome to another week of the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. I'm Jim Reed, your host, Jim in the forums, Bluff Storini in the home games. And I'd like to thank Learn Pro Poker, Website AMP, and Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino for making this possible. I'm joined with a great panel, like usual. Uh, the first one in alphabetical order is Chris Jones. Chris, lead
1: us off. I'm Chris Jones. I'm five by five on Twitter and PokerStars.
2: I'm uh, John Somsky, and I'm Poker Geek Man Everywhere.
3: I'm Rob Washam, and I'm rabman Fifty Everywhere. Uh, this is Taylor Moss. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at @Taylor_Moss or in the Rec Poker home game as Gopher Boy TJM.
0: And this week, we're joined by Jamel, one of our prolific forum posters. I think we might have talked about a couple of his posts before. Uh, Jamel, why don't you introduce yourself to the group and tell us where we can find you?
4: Hi, uh, thanks for having me. I'm Jamel Cuevas, and um, I post a lot on the forums, Jamel, and also on PokerStars Fortune NY.
0: Right on. And so just like every week, some of us are playing in the nightly rec poker home game, trying to take each other's chips away from And just like every week, we're going to take one post from the rec.poker forums and talk about it today. So we're picking one that Jamel posted. It's called, Is This an Easy Jam? Uh, Jamel, why don't you just take us through what what made you decide to post this uh, spot, and uh, we can start talking about it.
4: Sure, thanks. Um, Yeah, so this is a hand from a game that I host every month. Um, It's just my monthly home game. It's a... Bounty tournament. It's usually two to three tables so around 15 to 20 players. And, um, at this point in the tournament, um, we're six handed at my table. It's pretty early. There are 14 people left. Um, and blinds are around 200, 400. Um, I'm sitting on the button. I have 15.2 K in front of me and I'm holding pocket Queens. Um, And then the main villain is in the big blind um, with around 5.8K in front of him. So the action goes on the hand, under the gun limps for 400, uh, middle position folds, cutoff folds, and I raise to 1,000. Then the small blind folds, and the big blind, which is the main villain, makes it 1.6K, which is a minimum raise, and leaves himself 42 behind. Um, so at the time in game, I thought this is an easy jam. I have a premium hand. Um, he has around 10 big blinds remaining. Let's just get it in. Um, but then afterwards I was reviewing some of the interesting hands from the tournament. And I remember looking up some of the, um, learn pro poker sort of four bet call ranges for 40 big blinds. And I know we're a little, um, lower than that. But it definitely has a mix of sort of shove spots and call spots. So, you know, at the time I put him on an ace, king, or better type hand. And my thought was, well, you know, do we jam or do we see a flop and then make sure we don't see an ace or a king and then sort of go for stacks at that point? And, like, what are the nuances on villain or stats that would make you do anything but jam in this spot?
0: Before we get into it, is is there a chance for this to go multi-way, regardless of how you go? Or is it just going to be against this player, whether you jam or not? I couldn't tell if there was an under-the-gun player that was still in the hand or not. Like, Is it is it an isolation jam, or is it just let's get the stacks in jam?
4: Um, yeah, that's a good question. So under-the-gun limps, um, and then we get two folds and I raise. So when I raise... Um, I don't know that small blind is going to fold. So small blind could have stayed in had I called or they could have squeezed. And, and then what th- about the under the
3: gun guy? Um, after the raise from the big blind, did under the gun
2: fold then?
4: Um, so un- the action went under the gun limped, I raised, small blind folded, Big blind made it 1.6k, so the action was on me at that
0: point. No, the action was on under the gun. Yeah, the original limper would have had to have had. An, an oh, the middle position
4: person. Yeah,
0: the under the gun limper. What did,
3: he did fold. Okay, that's yeah, yeah. that's okay. That wasn't clear.
0: Great. So then it's really it's going to be you and the blind player in the yep. hand, no matter what. So the question is, okay, so yeah, so this is a great question, Jamel's So trying to figure out with exactly the hand of pocket queens. Yeah. Um, is this an aggressive play or a passive play where you get to kind of evaluate on the flop?
4: Right, yeah. And then you can go either way, right? Like you could call and evaluate the flop. Um, The downside is obviously you could get an action killing flop and, you know, you could have stacked someone. Or, um, you know, you could risk a third of your stack right now, try to get it in and then see what the flop brings.
1: So let me let me ask about the ranging here you're are you ranging um this villain to that really premium side of things because of their min bet with a short stack is that why i rather like well, why are you kind of well, wondering like why didn't they push all well, in? this is, is that- a
4: very loose game and i would expect a lot of calls when i raise um so the the three bet surprised me and it surprised me from this player because this player doesn't raise a lot like i've seen him check quads before so then when he Mm. raised i'm just like my alarm bells went off and i thought well like this is weird like this guy like three bets maybe one to three percent of the time like it's not his move um so yeah that that sort of like perked me up i didn't put him on some middle pair i thought it was a premium hand like i thought it was like aces kings ace king um i don't know if he does this with jacks but that was my read at the time
2: does he do it with like ace queen ace jack king queen
4: right yeah that that's you know that's a fair question and like i don't i don't know i mean i i, I think you know king jack king queen might be a little light but you know maybe he does this with jacks i don't mm-hmm yeah, I don't know, but I, I knew it wasn't a light. I, I, I didn't take it as a light three bet given the person.
0: So you think that no matter what this player is playing a, a top down value range in his three bet, they're not throwing in any uh, balanced polarization. So the question is just how, how low does it go? And uh, uh, you know, how excited are you to get Queens in against that range?
4: Right, right, right.
0: Chris, did you want to jump in? Yeah. In?
1: So my 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 initial thoughts on this then are well, uh, first I would probably be raising larger, uh, with a with an intervening limp in there. Um, mm-hmm. So I would probably be raising to um, t- t- twelve, maybe fourteen hundred here um, rather than one k. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing that that if If I can read this this bet that transparently to it's ace King or aces or kings um then I'm likely flatting um i am not sure that we can read that, but if you know this opponent that well um and you know you're making an exploitive play there but i I'm probably flatting there um just to kind of see what kind of flop comes um, mm-hmm. and seeing how, how this uh, this villain reacts.
4: Right, because um, I'm, I'm behind
1: a lot control.
4: now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also had a very comfortable chip stack. Like we had 15K probably averages around like 6,000 at that point, only one person had been knocked out. So we're we're kind of like, if we lose this, then we're back in the grind of things. We don't have a comfortable lead.
0: I think there's something to the fact that, it, according to your read, this player just has aces and kings a lot. And that's mm-hmm. what's really putting this in the, in the maybe column, right? Because <clears throat> it's, it's one of those things where they just don't have a lot of worse hands that they're continuing with. So one thing, that, one thing that, always, that I always think about in this kind of spot is, so what's a good flop then? Because if they do have aces or kings, you're still going to lose all the flops that come jack high. Mm-hmm. And if they did have ace king, then i mean you're going get you 're going to get away from it on the flops where the ace or the king come
4: right then maybe he 's not calling with but, the ace King when he misses
0: right, um, and he 's not going to um, you 're you're letting him get away from it, yeah exactly uh, when he when he gets there and sees it where if you think he would have continued pre flop with Ace King. That's mm-hmm. really your only chance to get that money of his without being behind is to, is to make point. him get in with that drawing hand, essentially, of ace king at that point against your pocket queens. Yep. Um, so I'd be inclined to shove because essentially, so if the, if the flop comes jack seven two, I mean, you're not getting away from it for 10 big blinds, right?
4: Right. Yeah, you're not.
0: So then you're going to lose to those aces and kings anyway. Um, the only th- all you're doing by calling is like giving the ace king hand a chance to see that flop and then make an exploitative fold when he doesn't hit a pair. I mean, that's not all you're doing. That's what I'm always afraid of. That's what I'm always afraid of when I'm when I'm in that spot.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I,
3: Go ahead, Taylor. yeah I was gonna say I, I agree with kind of what Jim's getting at there and to kind of say it again right like uh, make if it we, sound smart make it sound smart <laughs> uh, alright I'll just mute that and
4: uh,
3: <laughs> we'll go with that uh, no if we go on they have the exact tight range of aces kings and ace king um, like Jim is saying like you're either putting yourself into a tough spot where uh, they can potentially get away from it when you're going to win um, but maybe you can get away from it when uh, they were going to win and they're only gonna—that's only gonna happen when an ace or a king flops out, and they had exactly ace king. If they have aces and kings, they're probably gonna get you regardless. Um, and when it's like that situation, it, it almost makes sense just to let yourself realize your equity, right? Like you're—you're yeah. you're giving yourself an opportunity for you to not realize your equity by just calling here. Um, I think and it's probably just a more generalization thing. I'll let you have like your game and what your opponents are going to be doing. But I think the majority of people in this spot have a way wider range than aces, kings and ace, king. And if that's true, uh, it's like 100% a fist bump. Just get the chips in the middle here and realize our equity. And we're not always going to win this hand when we do that. Uh, I think I replied to your post and said, okay, you know, This situation, the way it plays out, you're probably going to win about 70% of the time. Maybe you lose 30% of the time because maybe they're doing this with Ace Jack, which is a great hand for you to be up against, but they still have the potential of hitting an ace. So, uh, like, it's not a guaranteed win. And I think a lot of people just get worried about, hey, I want to have my guaranteed win. And it doesn't always work like that. Uh, So you got to think about the ranges each people have. And I think your exact hand versus the range of hands that they can have here just makes this an easy, get the chips in the middle. Um, And then I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to say one more thing because you started off this conversation talking about uh, having like flatting ranges versus three bets. And I feel really weird about having a flatting range versus this three bet or at least this type of situation when the effective stack is so small. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when we're deeper stacked, it, it makes a lot of sense to be flatting hands like queens in this spot. It really does, uh, but when we're playing, they've made it four big blinds and they've got just over 10 behind. We're playing 15 big blinds effective. Like That's not really the time to try and get like fancy and find a spot to make a hero fold. Uh, if we're playing fifty big blinds deep, okay, yeah. Now, now let's mix in some calls there so we have a well-balanced range and we can play flops really well. But how this hand almost always ends up is chips are in the middle and someone's all in and you're hoping that you can win. Might as well just do that now. Is kind of how I view it.
2: Yeah, the other thing I...
1: that pushes you. Oh, sorry, John, you were going to say something.
2: Yeah, I was just going to mention. You know, you're they're sitting on fifteen big blinds pre-flop. Uh, and now they're down to about 10 big blinds when everything's going in behind right now. So you're really playing a 15-big blind effective stack. And in against most players' ranges, Queens is just an easy all-in there. Now, I don't know this player in particularly. If it really is Aces, Kings, and Ace-King, um, then that's probably, uh, you have probably just fold. Uh But the, um, I have a hard time believing that most players are going to be like that. Yeah. You know, if they have a bunch of eights or nines or tens, you really want to get it in here because the ace doesn't matter for you. It doesn't hurt you there. And an ace is going to scare them as much as it scares you. And you're not going to get, realize your full equity. So uh, I think w- because the stack sizes are short against most players, you know, unless you have a really rare, really tight player, it would be an all in.
1: Right. And I think the other thing that pushes us toward it was what I was going to say is um, you mentioned, this is a bounty tournament, right? As well. Yeah. So I think that that's, you know, whenever we're in these like flip situations, that's something that's we've got to consider and it's going to incentivize us to get chips in the middle um, when we're kind of in, in a spot where we're like a little uncertain. Um, But yeah, I, I agree. Like, unless we have a real, like a rock solid read on somebody uh, I think this is a kind of a, a fist bump jam kind of moment.
0: And we're just coming out of the interview a little behind the curtain, look for the our viewers or listeners. We're just coming out of the interview with Daro Kearney um, for our chats podcast, and he he's written this book about uh, progressive knockout strategy, and one of the things that he said was that even in the early stages or maybe even especially in the early stages, you really should be taking these opportunities. Uh, taking these spots to, to, to take someone's bounty and knock them out. And in other circumstances, to, to paraphrase a bit, in other circumstances where in a typical tournament, you might think, you know what, I'm not going to get involved in this hand. It's one of those maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't hand, so I'm not going to. Uh, he says, in the bounty structure, maybe you should be looking at that from the other side and thinking of it that the tiebreaker is towards getting involved as opposed to not getting involved because of the extra uh, value from the bounty. Now, the one thing that I think we should never uh, eliminate from our thought process though, is sometimes they just always have it. And you know, you're talking about a player that you've told us is extremely tight. They've got a really narrow three bedding range and the sizing of this three bet in particular is very odd. It's almost, I think they just basically yeah. click it back, yep. don't they? Which is weird out of position. So Either maybe it's a misclick. If it's not a misclick, then it's you know it's one of two things. Either it's a very inexperienced player who doesn't understand raising math, um, or it's someone who's doing it with a hand like aces and kings, uh, who just, which you can do with a short chip stack because you don't have to worry about pot geometry when you only have 15 big blinds behind. Um, so if you were, if your little alarm bells were going off saying, you know, hmm, here's a tight player making a really small bet that they never make. It's got to be aces. Then I think, but then it's a fold. I don't think it's a, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's such a small bet that you can call. Yeah. You're almost set mining with queens, you know, at that point. I don't know uh, if I'm
4: good enough to fold queens. Yeah. <laughs> I like like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs>
0: And if, you, yeah, if, so, if you look at the size yeah, ahead, of his, his raise, it's just about almost 30% of his entire chip – of the effective chip stack, basically. Mm-hmm. So, in that case, it's almost always a, a jam. Because yeah. once you get to that level, it's – you know, you're, you're playing for stacks.
4: Yeah, I think you so, guys make a good point on the chip stacks. I think if we're in the 40 to 50 big blind range, maybe that becomes a conservative call. I don't see letting this go. I mean, like this hand is so, yeah. Right. If,
0: if, if you were both sitting at at 15,000, then this would be an easy call. Yeah. I would just call right there. There'd be no decision to make, but the fact that we're putting, we've got almost 30% of the effective stack on that one raise 1.6 K is almost 30%. That's just, you gotta get it in.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm always. I'm. <laughs> I, I, it's hard for me not to argue for shoving queens in most spots, but um, with a short stack and a bounty tournament, I I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to to like opponent model my way into a non-shove there. But, uh, yeah. So, what else, folks? Is there other things to consider? Or Jamel, do you want to take us through what what happened? Uh, how you feel about it?
4: Yeah, I mean, I instantly jammed um in the moment i just thought about it afterwards and um, of course he flipped over pocket kings of course king for good measure
0: oh you flopped a king too
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's that's good that's you want those you want those to you want him to waste those uh flops when when you were already behind you don't want him flopping that king when you got in there with aces so nicely done sir you got some good run out of the universe for that at least um, <laughs> So we got some good comments in here from some other members, Max Chaos and Binkley, friend of the show. Uh, Binkley is talking about, could it be a misclick because it's an online game and the sizing is so weird? Um, I think that's absolutely correct. Um, Max Chaos talks about a similar spot um, in a hand they were in recently. And he kind of gets at the point that I think the other guys are talking about here too, which is that um, in in the long term, you're 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 going to lose some hands, but the theory is you're just going to win more of them when their calling range contains contains the kind of hands that are literally worse than aces, eight kings, or ace king. Like I feel like you're just loving life um, if they get in there any wider than that. Um, but they didn't. I, I think it was a good shove, uh, and I think I think the bounty factor really. I mean, I just like a good excuse to get my chips in the middle, so I'll I'll come up with whatever makes it sound right. But to me, having having the bounty really helped me make uh, that make that a, a
4: shot. That was a good point.
0: All right. Well, uh, without any further ado, um, we will meet up again next week. We're going to have Jamel join us again next week and talk about another hand. Uh, but in the meantime, I'd just like to thank Website Amp, Learn Pro Poker, and. Running Aces Casino, Racetrack, and Hotel. Thank you, Chris Jones, John Sonsky, Rob Washam, Taylor Mass, and Jamel Cuevas. See you next week, guys.